morning. My name is Cole, and I'm one of the pastors on staff here at Mariner's Church Mission Viejo, and it is good to worship with you this morning. It is good to be with you this morning. Uh, It is good to be on staff and a part of this church. My wife and I love being a part of this church. Uh, One of my uh, responsibilities uh, here at Mariner's Church Mission Viejo is um, our student ministries programs, which is junior high and high school. Um, And I've recently just begun to um, participate in and and oversee those uh, two programs. And our junior high ministry has been great. Uh, It's been run by a group of volunteers that uh, love... If you have junior high students, there is a group of volunteers that are meeting up there right now with your junior hires. And they love your students, and they are walking with them and encouraging them and having great conversations about what does it mean for them to follow Jesus, to invite their friends to follow Jesus and and walk with a community of faith. And I've begun to hang out with some of uh, the high schoolers that are in our our community over this last summer. And the conversations that we've just begun to have have been great. And the decisions and the questions that they're asking themselves about who they are and who might God want them to be is so encouraging. Our, Our youth, our students are great, and they are doing great things, and our community is blessed by them. I leave tomorrow with a group of them, a group of the high school students to go out to camp in Arizona, and I am excited for what God is going to say to us and say to uh, your students over the next few weeks. And I'm excited for our next journey as a church um, in student ministries and in general. Uh, Last week, it was so fun. Many of you guys were here. We got to celebrate and say goodbye to Mike and send him and pray over him, but I've just got to say... How fun is it to be a part of a community that sends somebody off that way, where we can come dressed up in black shirts and khaki shorts and bald caps and sandals and just say, we love you and we, want, and we know God is calling you to another place and affirm and send. And at the same time, know with confidence that God is, and we have the confidence because we can see it all around us. That God is working in our church and in our community and using our church in our community. And so we can say with confidence that God is continuing to work. And we can celebrate and send him off in such a fun way uh, and, and tease and laugh together as a family. And also with confidence go, God is leading us. And I think it's great that we're in this series where we are learning to pray. A series where we look at the Lord's Prayer where Jesus taught his disciples to pray. And at this time where we are praying for our church where God would take us in this next season and who he would bring to help lead us in this next season as Jesus is the one that ultimately, God is ultimately leading us as a church. So I am excited. We are excited for what God is doing. And, and with that, let me pray as we continue um, to worship and, and talk through his word this morning. God, we thank you for who you are, what you are doing, doing in our community and in our church. God, we do ask that you would continue to lead and that you would continue to bring the right people to help lead our church. As we seek your kingdom in our community, God, I look at my neighbors and my neighborhood and they, this community needs us. It needs your church, God. So we would ask that we would become more of the church that you want us to be. This morning, Lord, we pray that you would talk to us, that you would teach us through your words. God, would you speak to us clearly now in this place? In your name we pray. Amen. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and pull it out. If you don't and would like a Bible, there'll be some people that will love to hand you a Bible. They're walking down. We have some great volunteers that will pass 
uh, you a Bible. I'm, I'm going to drink this water because I'm holding it in my hands. I realize I'm holding on to it, and all of you are wondering, is he actually going to take a sip, or is he just going to hold it there? I know that was the biggest concern in your mouth, in your mind. We'll get through it. We are in, if you've got a Bible, go to Matthew chapter 6. We've been looking at the Lord's Prayer out of Matthew, although it is found in other uh, places in the Gospels. And so we've been walking through this prayer, which Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And we have been walking through this verse by, uh, phrase by phrase, word by word in some cases, and learning how Jesus taught his followers how to pray. He gives them this format of how we would come and talk to God and pray to him. And we learn that when we come in true prayer that our, our desires, our will starts to realign with God's desires and his will. That we begin to seek after the things that God would have us seek after as we begin to pray in the way that is true prayer. And we also have begun to talk about, or we've been talking about, how though we may have had this prayer embroidered and looking nice on our wall somewhere in our house, that this is actually a dangerous prayer for us to pray. That it might invite us to consider our faith in a new way and go on a journey with God that may not be all that comfortable but ultimately leads to life. That is a dangerous prayer. A prayer that we declare God's name holy and great in the world. And we do that not only with our mouths, but with our lives. And so when we pray, God, your name be holy, it is a call for us to live in such a way that others would see that God's name truly is holy as we do it justice. And it shapes the way we worship and live our lives. This is a dangerous and great prayer. Last, Mike, last week, Mike talked about your kingdom come, your will be done uh, on earth as it is in heaven. So this week, we are talking about give us today our daily bread. So we are learning to pray, Lord, give us today our daily bread. And we're going to look at two passages out of Scripture to pull out some, <coughs> excuse me, pull out some of the truths and some of the lessons that Jesus would want his disciples to hear as we pray. Give us today our daily bread. So let's begin in Exodus chapter 16. Starting in verse 1, as we look at um, the story of Exodus, we see, as we look at the story of Exodus, it is um, oh so valuable and relevant to our lives where we are today. Because God hears his people, the Israelites in Egypt, in slavery cry out for a deliverer, that God would come and free them and rescue them. And so God comes and sends Moses to come and, and to proclaim who God is and that he is going to rescue his people out from Egypt into the promised land. And he takes them out, takes them out of Egypt through the wilderness out into the promised land, the land of milk and honey where God would, uh, the, God, the land that God had promised them. 
And their story, their lessons learned in the wilderness are uh, relevant for us today because like the Israelites, we are in a place where God has come in person, the person of Jesus, to come and save us and redeem us and rescue us and, and reconcile us back to a relationship with him and restore us. And though he has come, though he has come and rescued us and delivered us and is leading us into a place where we would ultimately be fully restored and healed, we have not yet arrived in the promised land. We have not yet arrived into the final destination of the journey. God's kingdom has begun and is is all around us, and we get glimpses of and tastes of it. And Jesus has brought his kingdom, and we experience it. But yet at the same time, it's not fully here present. Jesus will come back and bring his kingdom fully, where he will restore all of us fully to how we were created to be, fully to be in relationship with him again, and he will restore the earth back to him, back to rights, and he'll create a new heaven and a new earth. And so like the Israelites who have been rescued, freed from slavery, and are headed to the promised land, their wilderness journey is a time where God is teaching them and leading them and preparing them for the place that they are eventually to go. So let's lead at a, uh, read out of chapter 16. The whole Israelite community, God has led them out of uh, is, uh, Egypt into the desert. The whole Israelite community set out from Elim and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai. On the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt in the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all of the food that we wanted. But you have brought us out into the desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven. For you, the people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all of the Israelites, In the evening you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. And in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we that you, all, that you should grumble against us? So we see... And I think it's important just to note right at the end, the Israelite community is grumbling, and, Mo- and they think they're grumbling against Moses and Aaron, but Moses and Aaron take that complaining and say, you're not complaining against us. It's not, you, it's not us who has brought you to this place. It's the Lord. You're grumbling. You're complaining against, against him. And it's important to, to note that there's a difference between a lament or there seems to be a difference between a lament and a grumble or complain as they're treated in scriptures. There's places in the scripture, mainly the Psalms, where the, the writers have these um, honest conversations with God and they lament the realities of the world around them and they look at God and say, where are you? It doesn't feel like you're being the God that you are. It doesn't feel like you're acting in the way that you should. It feels like evil is winning. God, where are you? And yet at the same time, you get the sense that they have a faith 
that God is who he is and will ultimately win, but there's this honest declaration and this yearning for God to show up in powerful ways, this lamenting of the way the world is. But as we read the scriptures and we see this grumbling and complaining, it seems to be a different grumbling and complaining. And Moses and Aaron are quick to say, you're complaining, and it's not against us. We didn't bring you here. It's against the Lord. He is the one that has brought you here. And we see in the Israelites grumbling and complaining that they begin when they're out into this wilderness. They begin, they begin to long for and want to settle for slavery again. Because they have these memories of being around pots of meat. See, if slavery was okay because it gave us these things and we'll settle for this because we knew what that life was like. And now God has led them out into the desert. Led them out of Egypt. We see in the 12 plagues as God is releasing them from Pharaoh's stronghold that each of the 12 plagues uh, are God showing his power over against the false gods of Egypt. So there's a, in Egypt, there's a god for the Nile. They have a, a god for the Nile that they worship, and then God turns the river Nile to blood. And we see God declaring his, his power over these false gods. And he does it time after time, and he releases the Israelites from Egypt out into the prom, and he's taking them to the promised land and he leads them out into the wilderness where he will continue to break them, continue to lead them away from all of their other false gods so that they would come to a place where they would trust, trust the one true God, their God, for all that they need, that they would come to a place of dependence, that they would learn to trust and obey. He is now freeing them for the only God that can truly provide, freeing them from false idols and bringing them to a place where they are in relationship with the only God that can truly provide. And so each day in the wilderness, God provides exactly what they need. Bread from heaven on the ground, each day anew, every day. And this bread from heaven, we're told, tastes like honey. It's this honey wafer-like substance on the ground that they are to collect. And God is in the process of taking them to the promised land, the, the land that is promised to be filled with milk and honey. And each day, God provides this bread from heaven, what they need that tastes like honey. And we get this picture that God is providing what they need and giving them a taste of what is to come. He's saying, trust me, I am leading you. I am the one that will provide. Do not trust all of these false gods. Do not long to be back in slavery. Here, each day anew, exactly what you need, and it tastes like what is to come, what is promised to them eventually, so that they can be provided for and look forward to where God is taking them. And they're given these instructions to take every morning to go out and collect only what they need. No more, no less. Collect what you need, and on the sixth day, collect enough for two days and prepare it. For on the seventh day, there won't be any out there for you to collect. And that day is for you to be in relationship with me. 
that you would celebrate and enjoy Yahweh, that you would enjoy relationship with me, your God. Take and collect only what you need. Collect twice as much on the sixth day. And we see that those that needed more collected all they needed, and they had enough. Those that collected a little bit had enough. He says, don't collect anymore. Trust me. I will provide. And as we read on in the story, we see that the Israelites miss this and they collect more than they need and try to store it and it becomes putrid and gross and it spoils. And then we also see that on the seventh day, the Israelites decide, some of them decide that they want even more and they go out to collect even more and they find that there is not more there. That day is for them to enjoy Yahweh and they miss it. And we hear this story of, and we hear God's, uh, instructions to the Israelites, and we think, Israel, this seems pretty simple. How are you messing this up? The instructions are so laid out clearly in front of you. Don't collect too much. Don't store it. It's not going to last. And then go out and collect. It won't be there on the seventh day. Why do you go out there to do it? God just told you. You think when God tells you things that maybe you would listen, and yet this is exactly what we do, right? We want more, and we go after more. Uh, My family and I go to Texas every year. Um, and we go out to this little place south of Austin. And we usually go around August, and we just got back, and it's, it's hot. And it's, it's humid. And we go to this small little town um, south, and there, we're on this lake, which is really just a muddy river, and we go every year. And, and many people ask when we show up, why are you here? This is your vacation. And, and they kind of look at us funny, and they go, all right, you're from... California? Right. <clears throat> we say yes, and, but we have a great time. We can, it's, it's time for us to connect with our family and to have fun together, and we do a little bit of water skiing. And one of the things that I look forward to when we go to Texas is the barbecue, because it's delicious. It is, and if you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, but one of the things that I find is that, uh, so the, on this last trip that I just got back from, uh, we were having barbecue one night, which I can never get enough of when I'm there because I feel like I need to get my fill while I'm there of all the brisket and sausage I can get my hands on. Um, I, so I, you know, we're, <coughs> excuse me, we're eating uh, barbecue and I fill my plate up way more than I need and it's delicious. And then uh, after that, I, I go and fill my plate up a second time and it's way more than I need, and this is what we do, right? Because it's good, and I just want more. And later that evening, I feel the pain of the amount, and I'm reflecting back, why does my stomach hurt? And then I remember the plate that I had oh so full, and then the plate after that that I had that was oh so full, and if I'm truly honest, the plate after that that I was <laughs> And this is what we do when we consume, and maybe this is a, you know, a, an oversimple uh, metaphor. Maybe this is not perfect. But if uh, I've got three kids, a five-year-old son, a three-year-old daughter, and a nine-month-old uh, baby. But if I f- came and found my five-year-old or my three-year-old, uh, and I found a, a storage of food, and I found that my, my kids were hoarding food and storing it away because they, they came to a place where they, they began to believe that their, their needs for each day would not be met, that I would not be able to provide for them, my heart, if I found that, my heart would break. Because where, where did I miss? How did I lead them to a place to not be able to trust, to trust me anymore? And my heart would just be crushed if I found that to be true. And that hasn't happened, but 
my son or my daughter, <clears throat> excuse me, well, often uh, they have way too many toys. Um, and there's times and places where they'll be playing and their brothers or sisters or friends will be over and they're playing and you can just kind of see them sort of collect the toys that they want to play with and it's more toys than they can play with at one time and they're just unwilling to share. And I see that they hoard toys and it, and it saddens me to watch it and it's something that I want to walk with them in undoing but they, they just, I see them collect and hoard and not share And that's not who I want my kids to be. I want so much more for them. And we see that as God takes Israel out into the desert, he takes them out and he provides for their physical need every day and says, trust me. And he provides more than that. He says, I am your God. I will give you everything you need. Trust me for everything. He cares so much that they trust him, that they would not long for slavery, that they would not have these false memories of meat-filled pots and, and hold to false gods and settle for enslavement, but that they would trust and obey him and seek life, seek pursuit of him, which is life. And yet this is what we do. We long for these false things, to provide what we need. We long for, I hold to position or power or money or things to bring me happiness and joy in my life. Or we hold to our addictions or our coping behaviors to give us peace of mind and to satisfy us or sex or even relationships that we place or seek after we put in too high of a place. And we look to them, these things, for our identity, our purpose, our sense of meaning in life. And when we do that, we've begun to take these things and place them in the place that God should be. He is the one that should give us a sense of meaning, purpose, identity, and bring joy, a place. He is the one that we are to trust and to seek after for meaning and fulfillment. And so God looks at his people and says, I love you too much for you to trust these things that will bring death. Would you trust me and pursue life and learn the way of life? Take only what you need each day. Don't pursue more. Trust me for material dependence and more. And so when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we are asking God to sustain us in this time. This time before his kingdom is fully realized, And we are looking forward to the places and times that he rescues us and the time that he will ultimately rescue us. And so God says this, and he says to his people, trust me, and tomorrow there will be bread. You are my people, and I am your God, and I will use you to transform the whole world and bring them back to me. I am your God, and I will supply what you need. Turn in your Bibles to John chapter 6. John chapter 6, starting in verse 1, says this, Sometime after Jesus, sometime after this, Jesus crossed over to the other side of the shore, the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, verse 2. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick, 
Then Jesus went up to the mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for all of these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, It would take more than a half year's wage to buy even enough food for each one to have a bite. And then we see that one of the disciples bring forward a boy and he's got um, fish and bread and Jesus begins to divide it up and pass it out and get his disciples to pass it out to the people. And everybody eats their fill and there is more left over. Skip down to, uh, over to verse 14. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to the mountainside by himself. We see Jesus removes himself and goes away, and then the disciples uh, slip off and they take a boat to the other side of the lake. And Jesus, being God in the flesh, decides to cross the lake by walking across water. And they get in the boat and they're instantly on the other side. And then the crowd realizes that Jesus and his disciples are gone, and so they begin to look for him and they find him on the other side of the lake. And they ask him where he went. Skip down to verse 26. And Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which is which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, What must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered him, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. We see that the conversation continues. And they respond to this, and Jesus says, Believe what's happening right in front of you, and then you will see. And the crowd responds in this way. They say, well, give us a sign. Our forefathers, when they were in the desert, had manna given to them from heaven. Moses gave them manna from heaven. And Jesus continues this conversation with them, and he says, you're missing the point. It was God who rained down manna from heaven and provide. And by the way, the bread of life, the true bread of life, is standing right in front of you. And all you are caring about is that your bellies are full and you're missing what's in front of you. You're missing the gift that is God. The gift from God that is Him in person, right in front of you, wanting to give you life. And you're missing it because of what He is giving you. It's not, you're not even following me because the, what you saw, the sign that God performed, you've missed the, the miracle that just happened right in front of you, this manna miracle that just happened right in front of you where God provided for, which is a sign that he is the Messiah, the promised one that would come and rescue them. And he's saying, I am the bread of life. And he continues to push on the crowd and talk about and says, you're missing it. You're missing who I am, the gift that is right in front of you. And eventually he gets to a place where he's pushing back on him and he says, I am this man a miracle, the one that would sustain and give life, not just day to day, but for all eternity that will ultimately defeat death so that you can have true life. 
And he eventually pushes and pushes, and he says, eat my flesh, drink my blood. He's, he, you're missing it. I am the bread. I am the bread, Jesus is telling you. And at this point, we see that many of those who are following Jesus cease to follow Jesus. And at some point, we have to pause at that phrase, that reality. Because there's this warning that happens in this conversation as we look at this conversation of Jesus between Jesus and his followers. That if we followed God, if we followed Jesus for what he will give us only, then we've missed something. We've missed the true life. We've missed the joy of what it is to. And we've missed the gift. If we seek only after what comes from God, we miss it. We miss God. And we see that many people stop following him here. People that have been following, seeing Jesus do miracles and heal people. And yet at this point, they stop following, which has to cause us pause. We have to reflect. It causes me to reflect, when do I and where do I follow Jesus just because of what he is, he is giving me? Because there is this warning against following Jesus for just what he would give us. And we say this a lot in the church, in, in this church, that the gift of Jesus, the gift of following Jesus is Jesus. We said it last week, Mike said it last week and talked a little bit about it. The gift of Jesus is Jesus. And I've come to a place, or I'm coming to a place where I'm beginning to realize that this is something we have to talk about regularly because we miss it. It's something we need to be reminded of almost daily. The gift of Jesus is Jesus. I learned this lesson uh, in a unique way uh, not too long ago where my wife and I were praying through some stuff. We had decisions to make, and um, so we felt like we needed to take extra time to pray so we would meet in the mornings. And I decided that we would take communion in this time because I wanted to take, uh, partially because of taking this passage, this part of the prayer, literally give us this day our daily bread. I just felt like we're going to come, and, and I really wanted God to speak. And so we would come in the morning and we'd pray through, and we would uh, take communion together and serve each other the bread and the cup. Now, I just have to pause for a second there. And if you're in here and you're saying, uh, that's great, Pastor Guy, way to pray with your wife and take communion. Like, I get, I get that. And here's why I get that. I'm a, I'm a pastor's kid, and so I grew up in the church, and my grandpa's actually a pastor. So, like, I'm pretty churched uh, as a kid and just churched in general. I went to seminary, and we just... Enough of church to lead me to a place where there's things that I just go, oh, that's cheesy, you know, and way to go, pastor people. And so I, I've got that sensitivity. So if you're in here and you're going, great, pastor dude, you know, you take communion with wife. I get it. I'm, I'm with you in that. But in this journey, I felt like, you know, I pushed myself to do it because I, I came to a place where I realized I did it because that's who I want to be. That's who I want to be in my marriage. And I had to force myself a little bit to go, we're going to set aside this time and we're going to pray and we're going to take communion together because that's who I want to be in my marriage and who I want to be for my kids and my family. And so I get it, but that's why I did it. And we didn't do it perfectly but in that whole time, I learned something powerful. It struck me. I, I was de- praying desperately that God would speak clearly and open doors and show me exactly and lay out a map and shine big floodlights on things. 
And what I realized, it came to me just one of the days that we were doing it. It took a couple days to do it. As I was saying, here is Christ's body and Christ's blood shed for you. All of a sudden, Jesus' presence just hit me. And I was holding it right there. And it seems so silly because we talk about how it's a symbol, but I literally was holding. Jesus tells us that that this is his body, this is his blood given for us. And Jesus' presence struck me. And I was reminded of, God is with me. And unless you've experienced it, you might not understand the, the joy and the overwhelmness that I felt in that moment. But it was this powerful reminder that the gift of Jesus is Jesus. And it was this powerful reminder that I need to be reminded of that. His body and blood shed for me so I can be in relationship with him and that he is right there and that he has restored and given me life. To pray, give us this day our daily bread is to pray for our immediate needs and our material needs. But it's also a prayer that would call us to depend on and seek after God's will in our life. To trust him with all things. And as we taste that daily bread, where we see God show up in our lives and and reveal his presence to us in relationships, or just in those overwhelming feeling moments where God says, I'm here, I'm with you. As we taste that, we begin to look more towards and for the kingdom of God because it is a taste of the kingdom of God that is to come, where we would have unfettered communion with our Savior, with our Lord, with our Heavenly Father. That is the kingdom to come. That is the promise. That is why we pray. So this morning we felt that it is appropriate for us to respond by taking and receiving communion. Because Jesus says, take my body and my blood that was shed for you. I am with you. I am the bread of life. I am your daily bread. So as we take the bread and we dip it into the cup, we are holding on to, and and we have the physical elements to remind us that Jesus is actually present through his spirit. He is with us. And we don't take this lightly because when we receive communion, when we take those elements, we are declaring that God has come in flesh in the person of Jesus and he is Lord of our lives and that we declare our intentions to follow him. And so maybe for some of you, you're in this room and you've never made that declaration. You've never said yes to receiving Jesus and asking him to come in and fill you and to be the Lord of your life. So maybe this morning, you want to come down and take that bread and dip it into the cup and say, God, you are God. You came in the person of Jesus to reconcile, to save me, to draw me back to you, and I want to follow you. And we don't do that lightly. It is a life-changing declaration. And I want to invite you into that this morning. And maybe for some of us as we're sitting in here before we come down, we needed to ask ourselves the question, where are you not trusting God? Where are we taking and hoarding and hiding 
where do we have too much toys and we're not sharing like my kids? Where are we acting like our children act? Saying, I'm holding on to these. Where am I trusting other things to provide what I need and need to let go of so that I can come and grab hold of the true bread of life and trust God? And as we take and taste and are reminded of that Jesus is present, we are tasting a little bit of what God's kingdom is like. And it leads us into a place where we would seek more after God's kingdom. So the invitation for us this morning is to come and receive Jesus anew, to trust anew, to not cling to false gods anymore, but to rely on God and to pursue after his kingdom. Would you pray? uh, Let me pray over us as we continue to worship and take and receive communion. God, we thank you for who you are, for how you have come in person to be with us. And Lord, we pray just in this time, God, that we would receive you, that we would feel your presence in this space, that we would be, would you remind us and point out to us what we need to let go of so that we can hold to you? Jesus, meet us in this space as we seek after you in this space, God, you alone pray all of this in your name. Amen. So I invite you all now to come forward and receive the gift that is God, Jesus, given to you.